Thanks to that piece of shit, Lieutenant, that's always uh, on his podcast. Bash us, fuck him. <laughs> All right, everybody, welcome to the show, New York's Finest Retired Unfiltered Podcast. I'm Eric Dim, your most complaint cop, NYPD, and along with me is John McCarry, piece of shit, retired lieutenant, unemployed, the founder and the co-host of the podcast. How you doing, my brother? Doing very well, my friend. Uh, before I start, I just want to give a big shout out to Myers Uniforms. Myers is brave enough, kind enough. To back to Finest Unfiltered, they will be carrying this T-shirt to Finest Unfiltered with our logo. Uh, they'll be exclusive with this T-shirt specifically. That'll be in stores. That'll be coming at you momentarily. You can get that online or in person. And you know, we we've spoken with a lot of T-shirt manufacturers, a lot of pro law enforcement companies, and they were very shy and timid to even accept our money to make a shirt for us. Um, so I got to give a big, big shout out to Myers Uniforms. It's who I bought all my uniforms from anyway, my dress uniforms, my cargo pants, whatever I did anyway. So it's 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 uh, definitely touches my heart and definitely make sure, you know, you're uh, giving your money towards them. Absolutely. Everyone, this is the 265 Police Live Series. We've got some great content coming for you. So if you like... If you like our content, please like and subscribe. New York's Finest Retirement Filter Podcast. If you see a pop-up come on and the bell's there, please click on that bell and you'll be notified about our upcoming events, upcoming content, upcoming episodes. Thank you so much for tuning, everybody. Thank you for watching New York's Finest Retirement Filter Podcast. Let's get right into it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we just we now have the 46th police commissioner was announced at work uh, a over a 30 year veteran in the New York city police department. Um, we're going to get into the press conference. The title of this episode is New York city mayor, Eric Adams stated the NYPD has an image problem. Um, and he spoke about many firsts. Um, and there was, in my opinion, a racial undertone in there. And uh, I believe this episode is going to be very controversial. And as always, you know, we welcome all criticism, all opinion, anyone that wants to come on here and speak their truth in a future episode. We're more than welcome. We don't shut out anyone's voice. Um, we don't ever act or pretend to see how an experience of anyone else's was in the NYPD. I only know mine. Eric only knows his um, and we welcome everyone's thought about how they feel about their eyes. Um, Eric, what do, you, what do you got on that? Well, the first thing I want to say is I don't believe to eliminate or to annihilate hatred is by presenting more hatred. And what I can say, I think you're putting it nicely to say that there was a, a racist undertone because I think that's you're actually being pretty generous when you say that. I think it was completely blatant. And I, I felt as I saw hatred and anger also coupled with the emotion of gloating. It, seemed, it, it appeared to me that the mayor was gloating, that he had this platform and he had this position of telling the world and virtue signaling to each other, to one another, that it's okay to now be racist towards white people. 
And any form of racism is completely wrong. I don't think it's it's right to have an all-white boys club and to just eliminate the possibility of anyone who's black or brown or Asian or any ethnicity to make it up the ranks should they be qualified or the best suitable candidate. But by cutting that in half, by slicing that with a knife with more hatred and just by spinning the wheels and turning this into a 180 and now making it racist towards white people, especially white older men, it's completely wrong. And I see hatred. That's what I see. I agree. No, it was, it was blatant form of racism and blatant form of discrimination. But it was also a dog and pony show, a smoke and mirrors, right? We're pretending we're sitting here with all of these firsts, all of these different firsts. I mean, the bottom line is this. There were, prior to this appointment, there was the first black woman was a police commissioner. And Edward Caban was the first, that, the second in charge, the most powerful. I mean, now putting Edward Caban, you're not smashing another ceiling. I'm, I'm happy for him. He's the first Latino uh, uh, police commissioner. But and and I'm and I'm not saying that his appointment was about that or it isn't. But I do have, and everybody should have numerous questions on why it took so long to appoint him, and why when he was appointed was he appointed as acting initially? And I and I do believe that Mayor New York New York City Mayor Eric Adams by appointing him in this fashion and then during this 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 press conference of firsts first 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 first. I believe he diminished that appointment, not in not in police officers' eyes, but in the eyes of the public. I agree. Unfortunately, it's become about the first of something when it comes to appearance, and, and appearances are important to a certain a certain point. There's an aspect of appearance that is important, but that should be just another factor of it. We should say that Ed Caban is the first to serve four combat tours in Iraq or Afghanistan, or Ed Caban was the first to receive a Purple Heart and be the police commissioner, or Ed Caban is the first to have three master's degrees, or Ed Caban is the first to have a law degree and have a degree in engineering, and in addition to that, who happens to be of Puerto Rican descent. But we're not talking about that. He may or may not be extremely qualified, but that's not what's being exacerbated and not what we're hearing about. All we're hearing about is that he's the first and we're led to believe that the only reason he got this position is because he's of Hispanic descent. And there may be some pride in his family that, hey, there is a Hispanic person in this position. And, but that's not what we should be bragging about. And, and, and I believe he and his family should actually be insulted by it and not bragging about it. Absolutely. No, I think, like I said, I think that New York City, the, the mayor did diminish his appointment. And I think at any criticism that me or you gave, we were saying that people took it as we're saying that this is a diversity appointment. When I'm not saying that New York City Mayor Eric Adams is saying that I was actually on the on on the camp of. I think it makes most sense to be Ed Caban to be the police commissioner. I don't know why he wasn't named immediately. I believe that New York City Mayor Eric Adams was shopping around looking for what the next first is. Dude, you said it well. And Ed Caban should be insulted by this because exactly that. And this is what I was talking about on other podcasts where Steve Jobs, his company was such a well-oiled machine because he believed in a 
good system. And we're not having a good system here. The system should be exactly that. The police commissioner goes down for whatever reason, God forbid, something tragic, or she decides to step on, move on, and resign, which she did. Immediately, the first deputy commissioner should be ready for that job and appointed, just as we would have a vice president replace a, a president. And that's the system, that this person the entire time has the proper qualities, the proper attributes to be in that position as they hold the position of first deputy commissioner. And that's where we should have questions. And Ed Cabez should say, wait a minute, you were shopping around. Apparently for some time I was not good enough, but all of a sudden I am. But now I'm good enough because I'm Hispanic. That's where I find a problem. And that's the racial undertone that you talk about. It's not, it's racist to white people. It's actually racist towards the Hispanics as well. Absolutely. I mean, it, 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 it's pushing everybody into groups. Well, what about me? What about me? What about me? What about my kids? What about this? And that's how everybody should feel listening to this press conference. You know, um, it, it, it's really the first, the first, the first, the first. What happened to my police commissioners will be a woman. What happened to the NYPD will be run by a woman. So we shattered that first and now we don't need that anymore. I would I would love to hear that explained why we no longer need a woman. I didn't believe that that was the proper message to begin with. I believe it should be the best person for the job. And maybe Edward, and I, I and you know what? I'll go one further. Ed Caban had more qualifications to be the police commissioner than Key Chan Sewell. So why was he not appointed originally? Because remember, it had to be a woman. But then 18 months, he chases Key Chan Sewell away. And I don't think anybody's denying that fact. Why does it no longer have to be a woman? It's interesting that you say that. Remember those old shows that we would watch growing up? Remember those? And they don't have them anymore. Remember those old dating shows? And they would have a curtain behind the person. It, would, it could be a man or a woman. And then behind that curtain, there would be three potential candidates, right? It could be a guy, and he's looking for a date. There would be three women behind a curtain, and he would co have conversations and just listen. He would never know their appearance. And just based on those conversations, he, or if it was a woman, there was three men behind the curtain. And then they would pick the person that they would think is most comp uh, compatible to them. <coughs> Excuse me. Or the person that would be best suited, but not by appearance, just by the conversation to see if they were compatible. So that kind of raises questions here. And I use that analogy to make the comparison here. Could we close our eyes and listen to Ed Caban and listen about his life and his career and say, without knowing he's Hispanic, that he's the best candidate? And that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about we need to remove the whole thing of appearance. Should We should be able to close our eyes and say, you know what? I heard him speak. That's the best candidate. Just like this podcast. Some people view us on YouTube, but most of the people listen to us on audio. So they don't even know our expressions or what we look like. Some of them don't even know that we're both white until they actually hear us talk about it. But when they listen to the podcast, they're listening to the content and our intelligence and our ability. That's what we should see when we choose someone in that position. Yeah. So just talking on Ed Caban, I'm not going to play his speech, um, but he spoke on his appointment and he spoke on his experience in the NYPD. And he said, when I walked into my first precinct on the wall, the wall of fame, the wall of commissioners, the wall of commanding officers, nobody looked like him. And honestly, at first, after listening to New York City Mayor Adams, it bothered me. I was like, well, what does that even matter? 
But the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? That is that is his experience. That is what he's seen when he walked in there and he's talking about it. And he's proud of his heritage and he's proud that he's the first Hispanic. And, you know, his parents are there. His father's crying, came full circle for him. And he should be proud of that. And I'm like, you know what? That's his experience. That's not my experience. I have a different experience, right? Nobody looked like me either up on that thing either, you know? So, um, and, you know, and nobody really came from my background either because I do believe the individual is the ultimate minority, but that's Ed Caban's experience and that's his truth. And I kind of was like, I went off of it. I was like, you know what? It's not really his, he, he has the message he should have. This is me. I'm a Puerto Rican kid. I grew up, I grew up here and I, I now I'm the police commissioner and it's amazing. It came full circle for me. Well, I think that's a good point. I don't think, you know what? If we remove the mayor's comments himself and we just had Ed Caban say that on its own, I don't see any problem with that. It doesn't sound racial to me. It, it sounds pretty fair. Like, hey, listen, like you said, I'm a, I'm a Puerto Rican kid. I grew up in the Bronx. I see these Irish guys, right? I don't look like them. Do I have a possibility to move up to these ranks, right? Because we know when I got on this job, even my father told me growing up a Jewish kid in New York City, the job is predominantly Irish, right? And I, 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 don't, I didn't feel any racism by it. And I just understood because if you look at the history of the New York City Police Department, the Irish... Were, were, were suffering and they were experiencing poverty in New York City. And when this turned over from Pinkerton security and started to become a police department, nobody wanted to actually be police officers because the streets were so dangerous. And it was the Irish men that stepped up. So for years, it was it was the Irish culture that, you know, from family to family, it was a deity. So I don't think it, they rose the ranks because of racism. I just think it was a deity. And at some point, and especially Adams, wants to say that it's complete racism. But what we're seeing now is racism to the old white guy. And, John, you say it all the time, and I agree, and I, I want you to speak on it because you say it. Who is the old, mean, bad white guy? Is it me? Is it you? I don't know, but, like, I, I, I don't know who it is in New York City. I don't know. Is it, is it the first-generation kid that came here from Poland? Is it the first-generation kid that came here from Russia? Is it the second-generation kid that came here from Italy whose parents also had nothing? You know, we're a bunch of poor immigrants in this city, and it makes me laugh to hear about the evil white guy. And the same way that Ed Caban's proud of his heritage is the same way that John Shell should be proud of his struggle and his truth to come up. Or anybody, you know, may, whether they, they've been in this country for a long time or not, you know, we're individuals, you know. And that's one thing that this podcast has been highlighting is that police officers are not a collective. We don't all think alike. We all don't come from the same background. We all don't have the same political or religious beliefs, you know. And so I applaud Ed Caban for speaking his truth. And I, I got to say, it's not something that really bothered me other than if the mayor never spoke, I would I would be completely fine with it. But who is the evil white man in New York City? Why why must it be overriding? You already had the top two positions where they were non-white. Why is this being brought up again? Right? Are we past it or are we not? And what is the goal? Well, that's why I say identity politics is not something that should be permitted or allowed to penetrate the New York City Police Department. Again, we all come from different backgrounds. We all have different cultures, different beliefs. But what brings us similarities and what makes us the same 
is uniformity. Anytime you engage in a military organization or the New York City Police Department, which is a paramilitary organization, we are supposed to be in unison, in uniform, and put aside our political thoughts and our beliefs, and we are supposed to execute the law. That's our job, to enforce the law by putting aside all these beliefs, and Lady Trust is supposed to be blind. We're supposed to be blind to it also. We're not supposed to put our input or our opinions, right? You said, and I agree, you would arrest someone for criminal trespass if they were in a premise and they refused to present a vaccine card and refused to leave, even though you stood for that, and I agree we stood for that as well, you would have to make that arrest because we're in uniform and we have to put aside those beliefs. And that should go the same thing when we're doing promotions and the same thing when we address the city. So I'm going to play a clip now where Eric Adams talks about what he believes is an, is, is an accomplishment. And I believe it shows his lack of accomplishments in the city. And he did speak on that crime was down, and we've debunked that several times. So crime is not down. So he spoke on that as an accomplishment, and he touts being a first as an accomplishment. And maybe it should be. But he is he is not doing it because he's proud of these people. He's talking about what he has done as the mayor because the whole press conference is about him being the mayor, his mommy, and and him being dyslexic and everything about that. He's the mayor of New York City and all of the firsts. And here it is. Who's here in the office? I think about Congressman Espiat first Dominican to be a congressman from the city, coming here not understanding English, just sitting in the classroom and understanding that this is the land of opportunity. I think about Eric Gonzalez, the first, first Hispanic to become a district attorney in the largest county in Queens, Arnie Seguera, Ruben Diaz, Jr. and Sr., I think about what this moment means, living out the promise that I made when I ran for office. I think about Sheena Wright, the first African-American to be the first deputy mayor. I think about Maria Torres Springer, the first Filipino-American to be deputy mayor. I think about Mira Josie, the first Indian American to be deputy mayor. Commissioner Kim, first Korean American. I think about Laura Cavanaugh, the first woman to head the fire department. I think about Molina, the first Hispanic to run the Department of Correction. And in spite of what people are tempted to say, he's doing a goddamn good job. I think about every mother who's right now is cleaning someone's office, cleaning someone's home, who's cleaning the streets, and hoping one day that this dyslexic child that they have can grow up to be the mayor of the city of New York. And one day, this young man of Puerto Rican ancestry can go from watching his dad be a transit cop to being the top cop in the city of New York. 
sometime, Anna, when I appointed you to be the first Dominican and to be deputy mayor. And you look around this city and who we are. Assemblywoman Rajkumar, the first Indian American to be an assemblywoman. This is what Ingrid and I talked about many years ago when we started this journey. We cannot do it alone. If I'm the only person of color, of diversity in the room, then it's not the right room. This is an amazing moment for not only the Spanish-speaking community, this is an amazing moment for our entire city and country of what we are doing. Disturbing. You want to go first? You go first, because I'm going to be a little long-winded, I think. <laughs> it is getting late, but let, let's start with towards the end, all right? He said, I don't want to be the only person of color in that room. Well, I'm looking at that dais right now, and he talks about color, and I can see his parallel is color equals diversity, right? Now, you're looking at that dais, and I don't see diversity in that at all. I mean, the only one that mixes it up, Chief Shell, who's standing in the middle, uh, I mean, he looks completely... That. What's that? He was placed there for that reason. Right, he was placed there. I mean, he looks completely uncomfortable. He looks out of place, and I mean, you can see like he's crawling out of his own skin. So my understanding of diversity is a mix of different things. So it's not diverse anymore. It's just black and brown. I don't see one Asian person there. I don't see I don't see a blonde guy with, with blue eyes. I don't see a white guy with black hair. I don't see a, a female with light hair, a female with dark hair. I mean... Again, we should be able to close our eyes and listen and say, are they the most qualified? And then when you open your eyes, say, man, I had no idea she was white or I had no idea that she's black. It doesn't matter. It matters their qualities, not their appearance. Absolutely. You know, I grew up in New York City. My mother was a school crossing guard. Uh, my father was a Vietnam veteran. Uh, we grew up extremely poor. Um I've had experiences in New York City where a German man grabbed me by my head at six years old and told me, you know, we used to do to guineas like you. We used to step on your heads. Um, my mother told me not to tell my father. Long story. Won't get into it. But same time, Yusef Hawkins, black man's killed around the block for me, killed completely around the block for me. And I watched my whole community and me being of Italian descent, again, get demonized. You guineas aren't going to be able to sleep. Al Sharpton marching in my neighborhood every Sunday. You guys aren't going to eat pasta and go to church on Sunday. Um, I watched the huge racial undertone there. And then walking into the New York City Police Department, I heard things like, oh, this job was better before we let all you guineas got on or, or before we built the Verrazano Bridge and all of you guys came over from Brooklyn. Um and those are not things that define me. They're not. Not something that I would bring up and talk about consistently every day. To Now it's my turn. Now I'm on this revenge tour and I'm going to get back at all of those things that were done and said to me. No, those people were ignorant fools. They do not represent 
the, the overwhelming majority of New York City, and they don't represent the New York City Police Department, especially the men and women in the New York City Police Department, the rank and file. And they don't define me as a person either. My heritage is a part of me. Where I came from is a part of me. And it doesn't define me as a person. And I'll, I'll got one better for you. Somebody that looks exactly like me, that came up in the same socioeconomic background from me, we're going to have about a thousand differences between us. Diversity is true. Diversity is diversity of thought. And none of it's on that dais. You're 100% right. It's only black and brown. And everybody is subservient and compliant to his racist message. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I grew up grew up in New York City, just like you, extremely poor. I actually grew up, and I wouldn't say it's diverse because of what we're looking at now. I grew up mostly in an area that happened to be black and brown. And uh, I experienced an extreme amount of anti-Semitism, not for, just not from the black and brown, but actually from the white community. Because you know, I, in New York City, very mobile. I would take the train, I would take the bus, and I would hang out with different kids. And I experienced a lot of anti-Semitism. And just by looking at me, uh, you wouldn't know I'm Jewish. I mean, that's not, you know, right? But, and yes, a lot of people say, oh, Jew you know, Jewish is a religion. But for Jew Jewish people, it's a culture. Uh, it, it is an ethnicity. It's a, you know, some pride in being Jewish. Uh, but I was experienced an extreme amount of anti-Semitism. But I don't have any vengeance or feel any revenge. I, I, I believe in what you say. These are ignorant, stupid people. I can't try to change them. They're stupid. They're, they're always going to be stupid. And I'm sure if they hate, if they if they hate me, they probably hate other people as well. You can't change those people. But again, that's what I believe. You can't destroy hate with more hate. And I think the responsibility on a mayor is to mend and bring people together and educate them why being discriminatory is wrong. And what he should say is that I'm going to put the most suitable candidates in high positions on this job. And whatever way that cookie crumbles, whichever way they look is going to look on how suitable they are to be in these positions. And organically, as we always say, it will be diverse. And it will be diverse in knowledge. We will have the most educated police commissioner we've ever seen. We will have the first deputy commissioner that's had numerous combat tours and understands how to deal with troops. We will have the best leaders who've had the most experience, who have done the most community work, that's what I want to hear. Not because she's a female and she's black. She might be the most, she might be the best candidate and she may not. But I want to hear about her qualities. What did she do? How much experience does she have? I want to hear the same thing the commissioner, not how they look. I want to close my eyes and listen to them and say, you know what? Based on everything they said, they're the right person or they're the right people for the job. No, I, I, I agree with you a thousand percent. So let's get into the appointment a little bit. Ed Caban. Now, Ed, we support Sal Greco here, and he's highlighting the hypocrisy of your friendship and your relationship and your family ties with people who are known criminals. Now, it's my contention and Eric's contention that criminal associations should be removed from the police department. We don't believe we believe it's biased and discriminatory and it's used totally differently. Um, we believe Sal Greco did absolutely nothing wrong. The investigation was completely biased. It was unlawful at points. What we're asking is to settle his case, reinstate, compensate, give him damages, restore his good name. Other than that, 
You're a 30 year veteran. And I, I'm going to say it again. I think you were more qualified than key chance jewel to be the police commissioner. Well said. Absolutely. I think that the, the patrol guide policy for criminal association was probably extremely necessary at sometimes within the police department, especially through the NAP commission and the model commission. It was probably very necessary to have that policy on the books. This department, extreme excessive amount of corruption and the department had went through extreme amount of changes and learned from it, right? There's value. And when there's failures, right, there was value in observing and analyzing the Mullen Commission, which was overseeing Michael Dowd and, and the corrupt schemes that they ran along with the NAP Commission. The department learned a lot on how to go forward and have a department that is completely of integrity. I've said it before, I'll say it again, you drop a $10 bill in, in a lobby in a police department anywhere within New York City, and you go on vacation and come back for two weeks, that $10 bill will still be there. And that shows a department that is based on integrity. But we need to go with the times and evolve just as we did with body cameras and everything else. And we need to remove criminal association. It's completely subjective. We're at a time where it's not necessary. And if people should not be discarded and they deserve second chances, well, then we're going to interact with the entire community. We can't just say that we're only going to interact with people that never have faced the police. We need to interact with everyone. So we need to remove this criminal association immediately. And I agree. Reparations for Sal Greco. Absolutely. Uh, Tanya Kinsella, well, uh, my thoughts on her appointment. Um, I think she had a great career. I know she's well-liked. I know she's a hard worker. Um, with that being said, I have less of a problem with her being appointed first deputy commissioner because historically that is a political appointed position. So whoever the mayor or the police commissioner likes better is going to get that. I mean, we've had non-police officers in that position. Tanya Cancilla is probably one of the more qualified people to hold the position of first deputy commissioner. With that being said, I have a huge problem with how fast she went from the rank of captain to the rank of chief. And I think that shows a huge bias towards male whites. So again, I'd like to know, Mr. Mayor Eric Adams, what is it that we are doing in New York City? It's funny they talk about the image. That's a huge, pro huge problem. And there's an image that sticks out in my head. When I was in police service area seven, I'm not going to name his name because he's still on the job, but he knows what I'm talking about. I had an executive officer. He was a male white, extremely intelligent. I used to always joke and say, what are you doing in the police department? You should be w running some Fortune 500 company. He was the executive officer of police service area for nearly six years. Male white. Could not scratch, work so hard. Could not get elevated to a commanding officer and get promoted above the rank of captain. And he was told in various forms, and I've seen it in front of my eyes, of why he could not get that position. In other words, but in some and substance, because he was white, they used different terminology, but he was told, and it was blatant, you can't move on because you're not the flavor right now. And for six years, and yet, which I'm surprised, you know, to his credit and also to his own fault, that he worked so hard and gave so much of himself, knowing that he would never get promoted. And in, during that same amount of time, this is where I have a problem. I'm not saying Tanya did not work as hard or harder. But within that same amount of time, 
I don't believe she had any more qualifications than this particular executive officer did, and she rose from the rank of captain to chief. So it's completely unfair, and you and I in another podcast have went over the data, and the data reflects backing brown and black and just totally discarding the white male. It's completely discriminatory, and it violates every OEO policy. Yeah, and just again, on the diversity, when you look at that dais, here's a man talking about diversity. I saw no Muslim officers. I saw no Indian officers. I saw no Filipino officers. I saw no Asian officers. And these people also, all of these ethnicities are not being promoted either. So, I mean, you know, it's really not about diversity. It's not a diverse, inclusive environment. And his messaging is the way I look at it is I'm not welcome in the New York City Police Department and my children aren't welcome in the New York City Police Department. That's what it sounds like what we are doing. And I agree. What has Tanya Kinsilla done differently than people who are similarly situated than her? And I will name some names. You know, I will point out some people that were promoted to the rank of captain right when she was, that worked just as hard as her. Just as hard. But yet, they didn't move through the ranks. And why is that? Because they're a male and because they're white. You know? Um, actually, I'm not going to mail name the name because I'm not going to name, and, and there's a few of them. But we all know who they're talking about. And I've spoken, and all of you have. I don't care what color or ethnicity or gender you are. You have all spoken to male white people who you believe are very hardworking people that have told you they have been told they are not getting promoted because they are not the flavor specifically told that well and, and it's it's obvious also what was implemented under mayor de blasio which is which was the start of this of getting people that were considered underrepresented by the job to get into the positions of commanding officer was having potential commanding officers being interviewed by the community and the community wanted people that look like them which which it also I think it's an additive to, to lead to corruption. I don't think the community should have a say and input in who's going to be the commanding officer because that could lead to corruption. It should be based on the police department. The police department say, listen, this is the person that's going to run the precinct, the community that you live in. These They have the qualities. They've been appointed by myself, the police commissioner. And once they're appointed, you will have an opportunity to meet them. But the community should, you know, if, if, if a white captain is not going to have a chance in a black community because they just want someone that looks like them and they're going to have enough leverage to sway the job and who stands there because they want someone to look like them. That's another form of corruption. It's completely wrong. It's discriminatory. It violates every equal employment opportunity procedure. And when we have a unit right now called the equal employment opportunity, at this point, we should have white captains and above they should be forming a, cl a class action lawsuit right now because they're completely being discriminated against, and it's just blatant. Well, I think I think there's a lot of different groups that have, that should form a class action. I think Latin women, uh, Hispanic women, should form a class action. I think anyone of of a Muslim background from an from an Arabic country, from a Middle Eastern country, should form a class action. I believe anybody who is a male white should form a class action. I believe that anybody that is of Asian or Pacific Islander descent should also, because the, it's heavily documented. 
it's it's documented out there. It takes you a lot longer than it takes a male black, than it takes a female black, than it takes a male Hispanic. It takes you a lot longer, right? Um, so again, it's not really about diversity because when, when we did that podcast, which was very interesting, those those were numbers. Those were facts, right? People say we're spreading misinformation here, but we show the numbers, right? We show the numbers. That's it. We constantly hear that we're spreading misinformation. We've actually produced the data. So I encourage, I say it all the time, and I mean it. I might as well patent this slogan, opposition meets opportunity. So if there's anyone out there and you believe that we're spreading misinformation, please, you are welcome to come on this podcast, and we can have a great discussion and a dialogue, and you can provide the factual information to counteract the information that we provided to say it's misinformation. You are completely invited to this podcast. Visit us on the website at The Finest Unfiltered. And we would be glad to have you. But if you can't produce that, then you're producing misinformation by actually saying it yourself and creating scuttlebutt and gossip. That's what I see here. Now, I'd like to move on for that. What I want to say is we just did a podcast, and I hope everyone tunes in, and we talked about the recruitment problem. That should come out probably sometime during the week. We'll have it out there for, for our viewers. So please tune in, and, to, and you'll see about what we're talking about with a recruitment problem. But what I realized after this press conference, about 31 different, if you look up different reports about the demographics of New York City, about 31 to 33 percent, depending on which census you looked at, New York City is built up about 31 to 33 percent of Caucasian or white. So right there, based on this press conference, and we talk about word of mouth as the best recruitment tool, the word of mouth right now is if you're white, you have no chance on this job. So what are you going to tell your family members? If you're white, forget about this job. So we just eliminated 31 to 33% chance of pool of applicants. So now we only have 70% of applicants left. So that's another recruitment problem. Yeah. It's how do you think, because we talked about this offline. Um, so I, I just want you to speak on this before I play the most disturbing part of this press conference, which literally I, I believe New York City Mayor Eric Adams violated every form of, of equal opportunity there is by this entire press conference. And it should actually be cited and used in these lawsuits. Um, what do you think this, what is the effect, right? We just said, what would you say the, the population in New York City, did you say it was 31% male white? 31 to 33%. Different consensus yeah. I've read are, are male white. Well, not male, sorry, white. Just white. Right, right. Um, hold on. I think I have the data right here. Hold on. Uh, this is from NYPD Online. Population in New York City, you're 100% right. As per NYPD, 32% of New York City is white. Whatever that means. I don't even know what that means. Again, <laughs> I don't know. I, I really don't know. Like, I don't understand. I know Puerto Rican kids that have a lot lighter skin than me. I know some black people that have a lot lighter skin than me. Like, so I don't know what white means. Are we just talking undertone or are we talking about you're from a European country? I don't, I don't understand what that means. Um, but whatever, we're white. 32% in New York City are white, the evil white man. Uh, 42% of the New York City Police Department are white. What do you believe the message was to the, the 42% who are male white, or 42% who are white, excuse me, not male, who are white in the New York City Police Department, and for specifically white males to come on this job, 30, 
and the 31 percent who are white in the city? What do you believe the message is for them? Do you believe that this message will affect recruitment? Yes, that's why I was talking about the numbers before. 100 percent. So uh, the article that came out in the post about the recruitment problem, right? We heard the problem about the mass exodus, but now we hear about the problem of recruitment. So we did a podcast on it, John, which you're aware, you know, we'll drop it in a couple of days, but I think it's a huge problem for recruitment. And it's something we actually didn't mention on the podcast because I didn't even realize it. We talked about all the problems with legislation, the morale of the job. But now I realize this is a huge problem for recruitment and a mass exodus because after that press conference, especially Chief Shelley standing saying to himself, wow, if I wanted to go any further in my career, it's absolutely over. Any of my friends that came up through the job, if they're white, their career is done. And anyone who's listening right now, unless you're Richard Shea and you have a family member that has a deity that you can experience a nepotism, your father or mother is going to tell you, don't take this job. Because if you decide you want to go through the ranks, you can't make it past captain because after captain is appointment. And if you're going to try to get through the detective route, Forget about it, because that's by appointment also. So I think it's a huge problem for recruitment and the mass exodus, and we're going to see a complete disaster. We just eliminated 32% of our population. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I don't feel welcome. I'll tell you right now, if I was Chief Shell, I would have walked off that stage, and he should have. Because honestly, I I mean, that was, that was a slap in the face. Everything that was being said was the, that entire press conference was a slap in the face directly to him. And he was placed there for it to be a slap in the face. This is what the police department looks like. It doesn't look youthful. It doesn't look diverse. This is what it looks like. An old, overweight, fat white man. That's what it looks like. This is what it is. And, you know, Chief Kemper has a son on the job, right? Moved up to the detective rank very quick, I, I since I've heard. Um what was that message to, to his son, to Chief Kemper's son? What was the message to the chief of detective's son, to the chief of crime control strategies? What was the message to their kids, to their deities, right? The Again, New York City Mayor Eric Adams is divisive. He's not about diversity. He's about divisiveness. He's about group, group identity. He's pointing you into groups. He's creating a rift with all of New York City employees, with all of New York City re residents, with amongst ethnicities, religions, and genders, sexual preferences. He's a divisive person. And I just, I, I honestly, I can't say enough how he should be a one-term mayor. I'm about to use the terminology myself. I'm tired of seeing these old white guys that are weak cowards. But I'm not saying it because they're, because they're old and white. What I'm saying, they just happen to be Useless. For instance, former Chief Terrence Monaghan, just a complete disappointment. But not because he's white, because he's weak and he's a coward. O'Neill, he's another one. For, uh, uh, former police commissioner. Completely weak coward. Happens to be an old white guy. But we do know old white guys that are on the job that have great potential. We talked about LePetri in the past. Obviously, he's had some stuff that, that he's had some issue with issues, but I don't think we should say too much on it. I mean, Chief Madry and Caban, from what we know, have had their own issues as well. So there are there are bumps in the road. And it's not because uh, they're white. They just happen to be cowards. Now, I will say this. Chief Shell, from what I see so far, 
He's a white guy. He seems to be a decent guy. You know, he seems that he wants to do the right thing. I think he's making a mistake. I think he's doing some things that could could hurt the cops. But ultimately, he seems like he's a good guy. I, I can see the discomfort of him standing there. And if I was Chief Shell, I would make a statement by retiring right now. Because, please, Chief Shell, if you watch this, they're completely using you. They have you in a position where you're out there running around and put yourself at risk and you put the cops at risk. And you will be the fall guy. When this ship goes down and cops get indicted, they're not going to play, blame America, Mayor Eric Adams. They're not going to blame Tiny Kinsella. They're going to blame you. So I'm going to play the clip that I think about sums up this whole press conference. And like I said, diminish the appointment of Edward Caban as the 46th police commissioner and diminish the appointment of Tanya Kinsella as the first deputy commissioner. Why is this so significant? Why is her appointment so significant? The NYPD has a great crime-fighting profile, but it has an image problem. When you look at the department, you don't see youthfulness. You don't see the diversity at the top. You don't see the everyday. You could come on, mommy. You can come on, come on up. Everybody knows I'm a mama's boy. <laughs> you don't see the richness. And it was profound with Commissioner Caban stated, as we walked inside our buildings, people should see the possibilities. Chief Kinsella rose through the ranks to become the commanding officer of the 120th Precinct in the home borough of Staten Island. John, you want to go first? I, I have so much to say from so, that little video. Speaks volumes. People should see the possibilities, and I agree with that. People should absolutely see the possibilities. What possibilities should I see? What possibility should our children see? Me and Eric specifically, as male white, as a male Italian, as a, as a, as a Jewish male, grew up in New York City. What possibilities should we see when we're listening to Mr. Mayor The uh, talk about basically that he doesn't see diversity. He doesn't see the beauty. Right. I'm, uh, to me, it's very disturbing. It's very racist. And you're right. I was way too nice when we opened up this podcast. I must have not listened to that for a few hours because that is absolutely disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. I really don't even need to say anything about it. It's 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 completely divisive and completely racist. You know, John, you got daughters. I got daughters. And I want to teach my daughters, and I know you want to teach, teach your daughters the same thing, that you can be a strong woman, and you can be anything in this world because you have the qualities, because you're intelligent, you're smart, educated, you're strong, you have all the attributes to become whatever you want in this life, and you can do whatever job that you see fit. But I don't want this to be an OnlyFans page. It almost feels like, like they're raising her hand up. It's like we're looking at an OnlyFans page. We're just looking at Tanya because... Because look, go look at her. Look what this woman looks like. But no, that's not what it should be about. 
hey, Tanya, you're a woman. Yes, you're the first black woman to be put in this position. That should be incidental to because you have all the qualities that this position needs. And this position, needs, you need to be a good spokesperson. You need to be a disciplinarian, right? The first deputy commissioner of the New York City Police Department, if everyone knows, is the disciplinarian, right? The police commissioner has the final say, but the first deputy commissioner is really supposed to take care of all the discipline. Does she have the qualities for that? That's what we need to know. I don't want to be looking at you like I'm looking at an OnlyFans page. I want to look at you because, you know what? This woman right here has all the qualities to do this job. I want to tell my daughters that. That, hey, we're not going to look at you just because you look nice and you're a woman. We're looking at you because you got the qualities to do the job. And I'm sure you probably feel the same way. Absolutely. No, she's a showpiece. The same way Key Chan Shua was. The same way. You know, and that's and, and in my opinion, that's why she moved to the ranks. And I'm not diminishing her work in the NYPD. I'm fully aware that, you know, that she's a woman, that she's a mother, that she has put her she's put this job first probably a million times. She's ate, slept, and breathed this job uh, day in and day out. And and that is truly why she moved. She was able to move through the ranks. Yes, she checked the boxes, but she it wasn't just checking the boxes here. It was checking the boxes and being the person, right? Because again, you could check all the boxes if you're not in with the in crowd and you're and you're a do nothing. You're not going to move up too far. But not only was she in with the in crowd, I know for a fact she's a hard worker. I know for a fact that she put this job in front of a lot of things to to get to where she is, and that should be what's rewarded. That should be what's being talked about. But again, the mayor of New York City diminished these appointments. So it's not me or Eric or anyone else saying that these are diversity hires. This is coming right out of New York City Mayor Eric Adams' mouth. Again, the, I'm glad that you said that. Let's 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 put it back on the mayor. The mayor is the one that diminished these qualities. He should have said something, but maybe if he had to read from it and say, you know what? Tanya was educated from, from whatever school. She was come loud from whatever school. She served combat tours. She served in communities of something innovative that she did, something that no one else knew about, something that she invented. I want to hear her bio. And her bio shouldn't be that she's female black. Her bio should be what she did. You know what? I'm not saying she didn't work hard. Listen, I was a cop in the one two zero precinct. I worked with Tanya. She was a very nice person. I, I didn't see her for many years. She went on in her career. We went different paths. Reform. From what I hear, she did work very hard. But that's the stuff we should hear. When she was working hard, what did she do? How was she innovative? What she? What did she do that separates her from her counterparts? And why she's in this position? And why this position is now better off with her, and not because of the way she looks. Yes, she should be presentable. That should be part of it. But that should not be all of it. What did she do? What is she capable of? What type of person is she? Not just how she looks. Yeah, and, and to get off of both of the appointments as a whole, you know, I think what you're saying is even bigger than that, right? Like it's, she rose to the ranks of the 120, the commanding officer of the 120th precinct, right? She rose through the ranks. What did she do to get to the rank of commanding officer for the 120th precinct? Because what we've been seeing and what we historically have seen in the NYPD, yes, even when it was ran by old white men, 
um, what we see is that whoever the borough chief likes better is going to get the higher commands, right? But then, oh, they brought crime down here. They did this. They implemented that, right? What has anyone done since 2019 that shows their leadership ability? What has anyone implemented in the commanding officer spot? How did they earn the spot to begin with? And then what have they done when, when they're there, considering crime has rose significantly in every command throughout the city? So what was the accomplishment and how do we determine who our most effective leader are? You know, so and I think that's what you're saying. And that's what we've gone away from as a whole uh, everywhere. Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, we can even simplify this and just say, let's say, for instance, you had to submit a resume to the mayor or an application to state why you should be the next first deputy commissioner. Now, would that resume have your bio or that resume? Now, the what he's saying in, in simplistic forms, you don't need to have a resume to show your bio anymore. All you have to write is your name, Tiny Kinsella, and write underneath, female black. And submit. That's your application. That's exactly what he's saying because we're not hearing about her bio. And that, and Tanya, if you're watching this, we're not trying to uh, desecrate your experience. And we're not trying to say you're not the person for the job. But what you should say is, you know what? I got this position because these are all the qualities that they, we have. And what we're saying is, what did any leader choose that was extremely special? Crime is completely on the rise. It's out of control. What did any precinct commanding officer do that was different than other commanding officers to control the crime in their precinct? And the answer we know, it, it just, it's just not happening. What we do know is that most of the commanding officers, how they compete with each other to get the good graces of their bosses to move up is by competing with each other on Twitter pages and Twitter photos. That's what it's come down to. John, I told you about that. and You can see it. It's just blatant. That's how these guys get promoted by virtual signaling to each other and who could have the better Twitter pages. It's absolutely true. Yeah. So again, I think I think I think we I think there was another appointment that was pretty significant that we that we need to talk about as well. I think it was a very significant appointment. Uh, Tina Moore from the New York Post. She put out an article a few weeks ago when uh, when Keychan Sewell announced her resignation, and she said there is a detective in the NYPD who runs the NYPD, and his name is Kaz Daughtry. Um, and yesterday the personnel order was put out that he will now be an assistant commissioner. Oh, uh, he has a nine four zero tax number, meaning he has 17 years on the job. First grade detective. Um, he makes more than most lieutenants on the job because he gets carte blanche in, um, overtime. Um, and now I guess I assume he will either have to vest out unless he has three years of prior service and he will have a full retirement. He will now be a civilian member and assistant commissioner. They have the similar simulated rank of chief. And there was a position made just for him. And it is going to be the chief of staff of the chief of department. What do you think about that? Uh, first of all, I want to give a shout out to uh, Alamo who's on Twitter, who's now part of the New York Times China Filter podcast team, who's been putting out some amazing tweets. His, Please, if you have an opportunity to look at his tweets, his pictures speak a thousand words, and they tell a complete story. He's 100% right. So the reporter Moore that put this out, 
You are 100% right. Your source of information was extremely credible. Kaz is, is, is in the upper echelon. It's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous that the supervisor is now supervising the supervisor. This is ridiculous. So who's actually the chief of the department? I have questions. What about you? I just, I just think it highlights nepotism, you know. Um, I've spoken to a lot of supervisors that worked in Brooklyn North, a lot of detectives that work in Brooklyn North with him, that came out with him. Um, I know he has a lot of arrests, the kid. I know he was very active. I know he's pulled a lot of guns off the street. Um, but, you know, there were definitely – there's people that – the more I hear of people that are not fans of him than are fans of him, um, and I believe he was empowered by Chief Jeffrey Madry, right? And I believe that it's it just shows the nepotism on this job, and it's a complete breakdown of rank structure. You know, if you could have someone who is in the rank of in the rank of detective telling not only sergeants, lieutenants, and captains, but deputy inspectors, inspectors, and chiefs what to do. That's a big problem. And that was going on, right? Because obviously where there was smoke, there was fire. When Tina Moore put that article out, I said, she, he doesn't have the, the, the police commissioner, but he definitely has the assimilated rank of chief, you know, because I heard, I heard a lot of, a lot of stories and I won't do that because I, I won't tell specific ones because I don't want anyone to be identified and receive uh, retaliation because of it. So, but I think it just shows a whole complete breakdown of structure. I think it shows how the job is a complete mess. How New York City Mayor Eric Adams' appointments have affected not only public safety, but the day-to-day operations of the average men and women in the New York City Police Department. Well, I think it's a huge problem, right? Because I always say what I read. And what I read, and this is true and what I live by in the Marine Corps, there's no bad troops. There's only bad leaders. Now, to elevate this detective to overseeing the chief of the department, you need leadership skills. Now, leadership skills, there are some outliers and there are some people that are born with leadership skills. But the average person needs to be educated, taught, and learned leadership skills. So what experience does this detective have other than just bossing people around to get his morning coffee? What does this detective have, right, on leadership skills? He's never been a sergeant. He's never been a lieutenant. He's never been in a position to lead people. He's a detective doing cases or driving chief manager around. So what experience does he have as a leadership? I question that. Putting them in this position, it's, just, it's a complete breakdown for the entire police department. We need leaders. We don't have leaders. Absolutely. And I think this is another thing that just affects morale even more, Right. We talked about the nepotism and how the morale, the NYPD, and the average men and women that go out there that don't know anybody, when Shea's son got promoted to detective or when Kemper's son got promoted to detective, you know, with, with minimal patrol experience, with minimal time, right? Flew the flying through everything. And I'm sure there'll be second graders and first graders before you know it, before they even make sergeant, right? And they'll get promoted in that rank and they'll move up. But we talked about what the morale would have done for that. What is the morale for this when you're seeing a detective who runs the job because he's close to the king? And I think uh, Alamo Defender one on Twitter, he nailed it. He's the hand of the king. He nailed it. Well, actually, it's pretty ironic. As assistant commissioner, he may actually have some leverage over the king. So this is quite interesting. You know, it's like this is like a game of chess, right? And 
you know, the, the, the king, the king is in charge, but he can only move one step. But the queen can move anywhere on, t on the entire board. So if you ask me, I think that, that uh, Daughtry is actually the queen because he can move any way he wants on this job. And, and they proved it by elevating him to the assistant commissioner. Madri, he can only move one step left or right, especially with his sketchy, colorful past. So you ask me, he's the one with, with leverage here. It's completely disgusting. I, I would put my money that he doesn't exhibit or have any leadership skills because he's been a detective. He hasn't had to be in that position. And now he's an assistant commissioner. They made up a position for him just to say he, just to say he's in that position so he can boss people around to get his morning coffee. That's about it, and that's where it ends. Absolutely. Guys, uh, just take a word from our sponsors real quick. Uh, if you got any financial questions, financial advice, please read out to John Henry and Lee Blue. Law enforcement professionals dedicate their lives to serving and protecting our community. But who's protecting their financial futures? That's where Laidlaw Blue comes in. Our wealth management platform is specifically designed for the law enforcement community. Laidlaw Blue is a division within Laidlaw Wealth Management run by retired New York City detective John McDermott. His status as a retired detective uniquely positions him to establish a deep connection between Laidlaw Blue and the law enforcement community. Our platform is easy to use and provides a range of financial services, including investment management, retirement planning, and insurance solutions. With Laidlaw Blue, you can secure your financial future and provide for your loved ones. Our team of experienced financial advisors understands the unique challenges and opportunities that law enforcement professionals face. We're here to help you navigate the complexities of financial planning and achieve your goals. Laidlaw Blue, secure your financial future today. Book a meeting using the QR code displayed or call us directly on 888-901-BLUE. That's 888-901-BLUE. So overall, Eric, what do you think about these appointments and what effect will it have on the New York City Police Department? Nah, you got you muted. No, I forgot. I think these appointments are virtual signaling. Okay, and what, what what I mean by that is, Mayor Adams is now virtual signaling to other cities, to the entire country, and he said it that hey, listen, you have an opportunity to turn your police department inside and out, to turn your city inside out, and make it beautiful, make it black and brown, to make it beautiful. And if there was any undertones of racism or prejudice in the police department, it was, I'm sure it was, it was pretty much hidden and it was spit and it was, it was scarce and it was sparse because it's not something that I felt and experienced in the police department, but it's blatant. It's now a racist police department. I think that it completely destroys morale. And ultimately the biggest problem that I see is that it hurts recruitment and hurts retention. This is a contributing factor to the mass exodus. And it's definitely taking a major effect on recruitment. Again, we've just eliminated 31 to 33% potential candidates. So now we're left with 68% potential candidates to join the police department. 
It's a huge problem. Within a couple of years, I think we're headed for disaster. And what's your what's your opinion on that? I think that the police department was covertly racist, right? Covert, covertly, I think there was a there was an undertone, right? I hadn't experienced it myself, being a male white or male Italian. When I stepped in, the chief of department was Italian, right? Like so, you know, uh, New York City was ran by a mayor who was Italian. Right. Um, so I, I didn't experience that. So I won't try to diminish the experiences of an Asian officer, of a black officer, of a Hispanic officer, of a female. I don't know what those are. I, I didn't walk in. And I, but I do think the experiences that you felt, oh, it's a boys club. It's a, the white guys club. It's the Italian club. It's the Irish club. You know, I won't try to diminish your experiences as an immigrant or anything like that. But I think those experiences were covert, covert. You saw that and you felt it. This is now an overtly racist city and an overtly racist police department because vocalizing, completely vocalizing it. But just to sit on the appointments, I don't think these appointments will matter at all. I think crime will continue to rise. I think they will continue to try to paint a picture that crime is down and work with your perception because at the end of the day, I don't believe that anyone's running this city other than New York City Mayor Eric Adams. He's fully running the police department. He is the police commissioner. He said it best himself. You could go back on any of my tweets where he said, the commissioners run their agencies. I run the commissioners. And he has the commissioner that he runs the most is the New York City Police Department. So to Ed, to Tanya, I wish you guys luck. I hope you do good. I hope you lead the men and women in New York City. I hope of the New York City Police Department. I hope you make it better, a better work experience for them, not a continuously works one like we've been seeing. And I hope you provide public safety to the citizens of New York. I will say this. I joined the police department January 2004. That was my inception into the police department. I knew nothing about the NYPD. I didn't have a deity. I didn't have any family members that were ever cops. So this was the first chance I saw anything about the police department. My eyes were wide open. And what I saw initially in the police academy, I'll never forget when they had, John, you probably remember, towards the end of the police academy, towards your graduation, you get introduced to all the fraternal organizations of the police department, right? And I found a problem with that. And I still have a problem with that. I believe we shouldn't have all these fraternal organizations. And uh, I'm sure there's probably... A lot of people that disagree with me. I might even get some hate mail for this. But I can't hold back the truth of the way that I feel. I do not believe in these fraternal organizations. The only fraternal organizations I believe should be sports related. I believe in having a, a boxing team, a hockey team, a basketball team, a baseball team, a football team, a soccer team. I believe in that kind of stuff. But I do not believe that we should have the Colombian society. I don't believe we should have a goal society. I don't believe we should have a Spanish society. I believe that is something that you should do on your own time. And the reason why I say that is that's the issues that I feel that we had. Not racial issues, but it creates a divide and conquer. And that creates more nepotism. Because, hey, I'm, I'm, part, of, I'm part of the Hispanic society. And, you know, Chief so-and-so is in the Hispanic society, so we spend time together. So he's going to take care of me. Or if I'm in the Charmer society, same thing. So I don't believe we had a racial problem. I believe it's a fraternal organization problem that creates this divisiveness. 
Now the problem that I see is we do have a racial problem, and it's because of Mayor Adams. He's implemented this racist ideology, and he's now created complete racism, and he's totally flipped the coin, and it's racist towards the white male in the New York City Police Department. Yes, we can see that some racial undertones to racial undertones, undertones to Muslims, Asians, and other ethnicities, yes. But overall, blatantly to white males. And that's what I see. What, what do you think about that with the fraternal organizations? I was always curious what some people think about it. And if you disagree, that's okay, because that's your opinion. But that's how I feel about it. I, I get what you're saying as far as it's 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 a form of tribalism where it's like we're we're again we're group identifying we're going into our group identity and you're gonna seek to push your own ahead right your own oh I'm an Italian guy I'm an Italian chief I'm an Italian lieutenant we got to take care of each other um, so I agree with what you're saying as far as it is going to it is going to cause friction and division amongst the ranks within each of these fraternal organizations. I a hundred percent agree with you, but I do believe there does need to be some support for people because again, everyone has different experiences, right? Everyone's experience is different. Stepping into this world, coming out of your mother, right? Just seeing the world for what it is. And, I understand that sometimes you want to talk to people who are similarly situated to you, come from a similar background, a similar religion. What's their experience in the NYPD? And for the fact that if there is a form of racism, which is happening now, that you have an outlet to turn to, right? Other than your union, another type of advocacy for you. But we don't see that today, right? Like, you know, I'll take the Columbia Association, for example. They're cowards. They're completely cowardly. They are absolute, utter cowards. They will not say a word about anything um, because the bottom line is there are no Italian chiefs left anymore, right? They're not in the position of power to say anything anymore. Um, Asian Jade Society, everybody loves the Asian Jade Society. They're not in power, right? There's not, you know. They're not in power. They don't have, they're not going to, they're not going to speak out. They're not going to fight for their own. Right now, the Hispanic society is the lead society, right? So you will see the promotions come out of the Hispanic society. And that part, I agree with you, is absolutely wrong. And, and something needs to be done about the promotions. Something needs to be done about them being merit-based promotions. I'm not talking about at the top. Because these are politically appointed positions anyway. So it doesn't even matter. It's whoever the mayor likes more. I'm talking about how you become a detective, how you get to first grade, how you get to second grade, how you get to a unit. Those things need to go back to being merit-based. And right now, it's about who you look like, what you sleep with, what you believe, and who you're friends with. Well, 100%. That press conference was the virtual signaling to the new police commissioner, Ed Cabed. It's virtual signaling to our first deputy commissioner, Tanya Kinsella, that when they are going to align, especially Tanya Kinsella, because the first deputy commissioner is usually in the position to choose who's getting discriminatory. Uh, <laughs> it's funny that we say, right? I was, I was about to say discriminatory, but who's getting discretionary promotion? Well, she's going to say, you know what? 
that's going to be in her head, right? I work for Mayor Eric Adams. I'm working for the mayor. Obviously, she's going to fall in line and be compliant if she wants to stay in that position. What would impress my boss? The mayor wants to see the first of something. So I have a stack of potential candidates, great police officers, to go to the rank of detective. John, what am I looking for? Before you answer, I'm Tiny Kinsella. I'm looking for the first of something. Oh, here's the first transgender. I got, right, and all based on appearance. Oh, I got the first female Pacific Islander. I got the first black from, uh, from Liberia. So it's going to be the first of something. We don't even have to look at their capabilities. We need to find something that fits the appearance. That's where I see the problem. Yeah, it'll what do you think about that? Yeah, it'll be the first, and then filed by that will be your profile. How the job list you, right? If you, are you a male white? All right, let's skip over that one, right? Too many of those, right? And uh, it's it's a big problem, and we're looking for firsts. We're going to run out of firsts very shortly, right? What does Eric Adams want me to do? If I cut my thumb off, will I be the first lieutenant LSA with nine fingers? Like what? What is what is the first have anything to do with anything? It's 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 a dog and pony show. It's smoke and mirrors. He is one hundred percent right. The NYPD and New York City now have an image problem. It's thanks to Eric Adams. He is overtly racist. He's turning New York City overtly racist. And what I'm saying to everyone that's listening to this podcast right now, everyone's that like I'm not listening to these two dumb white guys. I had this happen to me and my sergeant told me this and this happened and all the, the white guys went on the crime team. What I'm saying to you is this. We shouldn't be in fighting, right? Because more than likely, you're not getting promoted either because you're not in with the in crowd. But what is being done is we are being pit against each other. This is a divisive agenda. He needs to be a one-term mayor. And I will say one thing that needs to change. And I will say one thing where I do see that it is all white and it is predominantly all all white guys. Look at every police union there is. The PBA, the SBA, the LBA, and the CEA. That's where your problem lies. That is not, they and they are not, <clears throat> they're not seeing through your eyes because they don't, they, they don't even have your opinion in there. Well said. You know, <laughs> We're always getting trolled by the unions. I'm sure after this podcast, they're trolled again for that one. Well, I 100% agree with you. That is a, a, a an old white man stronghold in these unions. I believe there is a racial undertone of the unions. That I 100% I agree with you. It's unfortunate. But again, you know, you and I would be fools to say this. Absolutely. You know what? When Mayor Adams was on the job, there was absolutely no racism. He's a complete liar. We're not saying that. I want people to understand. I want the public to understand. We're not saying that there wasn't racism. What I'm saying, it's not blatant in the matter that he's now implementing it and being completely divisive. There was different facets of it. Yes, I'm saying I didn't feel it and I didn't see it myself. But I'm not saying that he didn't see it or other male blacks or other Hispanics have not experienced it themselves. But what I'm saying is to fight that type of hatred by now bringing more hatred is completely wrong. That's the problem I find. I think any form of discrimination, any form of racism is completely wrong. And we know that. John, you and I were both bosses, right? We had to, 
this is the most diverse city, right? We had to work with black males. We had to work with black females. We had to work with, with gay police officers. We had to work with police officers that have different views than us, different religions. And we all had to work together in uniform and unison. And that's why I say there's no place for these identity politics. We have to leave all that stuff at home and do the job to protect the public and enforce the law. And our job by enforcing the law is by leaving those politics at home and being blind to justice. That's what I'm saying. There's no place for racism. And especially from our mayor to speak out at a press conference in this manner, he's shaking up the jar, right? You, you hear those memes and you always see that about black ants and red ants and they don't fight with each other, but you put them in a jar and, and shake that jar up and they'll start attacking each other. He's creating, he's, cre he's creating divisiveness and he's brainwashing he's brainwashing people to believe that we have to fight racism with more racism that's where i find a problem with it yeah and i and and not to harp on the unions but one more thing i think that their diversity appointments and the people that they help to get into spots to run i think that they do that also as a dog and pony show and show and, and smoke and mirrors Oh, I'm going to put this black female. I'm going to run her in the, the command. I'm going to run the transit trustee against the only black kid who would step into and the only black male that would step in. I'm going to make sure I pick a black male. And I and I believe that is being that is, again, another racist undertone. It's a dog and pony show. We're not going best people for the job. Um, so I think if there was a stronghold in, in the police, if there is a stronghold now in the police department of where it's a white man's boys club, it's definitely the unions, uh, all of them. And my other thought on it is that, yeah, I agree with you. Eric Adams definitely had experienced racism in his life, no more or less than me and you have. No more than you for being a Jew, for me for being Italian, no more than that. Right. But we're not harboring hate and experience. Uh, was my mother treated poorly by uh, other people because we were looked at as lower class because she was a school crossing guard? Did Chuck Schumer walk past my mother with his with his chin in the air thinking he was somebody? Did Guy Molinaro, um, not Guy Molinaro, excuse me, did uh, did uh, Cuomo's dad, did Mario Cuomo walk past my mother and treat her differently than he treated the other people in my neighborhood? Absolutely. He did. Right. Will I harbor hate and, and a chip on my shoulder as a, as a man about the experiences that I didn't want for myself or my children that I saw? Um, no, I'm not going to harbor hate over it, but he's he's obviously a hateful man. He obviously has a huge chip on his shoulder, and he's his whole thing is very racialized. And at the end of the day, when you really ever listen to him, the appointments were not even about Ed Caban. Or about Tony Cancilla. They were about Eric Adams. I'm the mayor. Congratulations. We all know. Thank you very much. Dude, that was on point. That's fantastic. And that's the part that hurts me the most when I watch this. And I hope that the people see right through it. That he's so narcissistic in his press conference. And everything that he does as mayor. Because it's not about the people. It's about him. Every story that he tells is about him. Now, listen, I'm going to make this comparison. Some people will probably jump on it. I don't believe in everything that Donald Trump does. But there is something. There's some things I like about Donald Trump, and there's some things I don't. I'm an honest person. The things I like and things I don't. And to say he's perfect would be completely 
wrong. And to say he's completely idiotic would be wrong, too. But what I do like about Donald Trump is when he does conventions and conferences, he always praises other people. He'll say he'll talk about somebody in the crowd about their military service, or he'll bring someone up to talk about their lives. We don't see that for Mayor Eric Adams on the local level. We don't see him bringing people up and talk about their lives. If he brings someone up, he talks about their appearance because it's a reflection of himself. He always talks about himself. He always makes it about him. I'm the mayor. I'm dyslexic. That's my mommy. Well, you know what? You're serving a city. You're the mayor to serve the people. And that's the beauty. And I've always found that in my life, and I teach my kids. There's more gratitude um, by, by doing things for others than doing things for yourself. And I think Eric Adams gets more gratitude on doing things for himself. And, for himself. and that's not a good attribute. That's not something we want in the New York City mayor. Well said. He's a narcissist. Absolutely. Absolutely 100% a narcissist. He loves himself. Uh, Eric loves Eric, right? I, I keep hearing it, and it's 100% true. Eric loves Eric. Um, funny that your name's Eric, too. <laughs> I hope um, he loves me, then. Yeah, I mean, I really got nothing else on it. I really don't. I'm, I, I'm like, I am disgusted by the whole press conference. Uh, I'm not disgusted by the appointments, their political appointments. Um, I'm not saying that checking boxes or not. I, you know, he's gonna, he's going to appoint people who are loyalists to him. Ed Caban is a loyalist. Obviously, Tony Cancel is a loyalist. Um, and that's it. But that press conference had a very racist, racist, overtly racist overtone from New York City Mayor. Not from Ed Caban. Not from Tony Cancilla. I wish them luck in their appointments. I hope they do good. I wish them luck too. I, I really do, honestly. I wish them luck. I wish them prosperity and happiness. But again, I said the problem is they're they're now under the tutelage of Mayor Eric Adams, and they were for Mayor Eric Adams, so they're going to have to fall in line. Which means if they want to continue in that role, if they have good morals within them and and, and the good family values. They're going to have to completely violate those family values that they've experienced because they're going to have to promote discretionary promotions based on the first of something and not and their bio. That's just the reality. They're not going to go to the mayor and say, you know what? I have these two white males to be promoted. I mean, look, these guys have solved some amazing cases. Look at all these gun apprehensions. They're not getting promoted to detective. What are they at first of? That's what's going to be the first question. So, I, and that's the problem with this. I wish them well, but I think they're going to have to fall in line, and it's really going to go against their own character. So they should be asking, are they willing to give up their morals and principles to continue on as commissioners? What's more important, your family values or the position that you're in? What's temporary, what's forever? And I do have one more thing, though. One more thing. And, listen, this is important. we got to get this out. One more thing I forgot that I need to bring up. I need to know if they're both vaccinated. <laughs> I do. I need to know if they took the COVID vaccine. I actually, I actually knew you were going to say that. And I think we talked about that, too. I need to know. It matters. It matters that thousands of cops were forced out of employment. It matters that cops were terminated. It matters that cops lost tons of money, health care, generational wealth. It matters. The same way I needed to know if Key Chan Sewell was vaccinated, and I guarantee she wasn't. And I guarantee either of you two. 
And that is my biggest problem with this department is the hypocrisy and the lies. How can you be a leader if you don't lead by example? How can you be a leader when you allow yourself to be the symbol of hypocrisy? So my last point is this. You will interact with criminals on this job, doing your job. You will interact with shady characters. You will be in situations you don't want to be in, and the mayor is going to put you in them, and you're going to be interacting with criminals. You're going to be criminally associated with everyone because the mayor is going to do it. It's going to be part of your job. Reinstate and compensate Sal Greco. Reinstate and compensate all of the unvaccinated, whether they came back or not. Reinstate the people who were forced in and denied exemptions and had to take that shot. Compensate them too. Restore morale. Be real. Be truthful. Be honest. None of you are vaccinated. And Jeffrey Madry, I'm talking about you too. Drop the mic, bro. That was great. You know, dude, as well said, it's compassionate. You're speaking from the heart. Uh, you know, in addition to that, when I when I have an opportunity, I want to Google the names. I want to see what information is is on the 50A about them as well. Same thing. I've been you you've been completely affected by this vaccine, so have I. But most importantly for myself, I've been affected by this 50A and being talked about overzealous civilian complaint review board. I would like to see if everything is transparent when it comes to their 50A, just as mine. And in addition to that. I'd like to see, I haven't had a chance, but I want to see a seat for New York. Are their salaries are their salaries public, just as everyone else should, working for the New York City Police Department? Have you had an opportunity to check? No, I didn't look. Well, I'm definitely going to check. I'll get back to our viewers here. I want to, I'm, that's going to be my first, my first order of business is checking that 50A. I want to see if all the stuff is, is clear and transparent, especially for Edward Caban, because We've been making the comparison about the hypocrisy when it comes to San Greco. So I want to see if all that stuff is open to the public. It's supposed to show your discipline, your charges from the Civilian Complaint Review Board, but also discipline and charges if you have from the New York City Police Department. Just myself, if you look up the 58, I don't have any discipline. The only thing I have is charges from the Civilian Complaint Review Board. So I'd like to see Cabanz and see, does he have discipline exposed on the 58 for the New York City Police Department? Because we know he's been involved in issues. He's been accused of cheating. I'm not saying he did. It's an allegation. I don't know if it's pr proven, but I'd like to know, is that on the 58? Because my allegations from the CCRB, they're on the 58. So let's stop with hypocrisies. You have to set the example. Leave for the front. And Kaz Daughtry, too. I want to know if he's vaccinated, too. Good point. Kaz Daughtry as well. Well, he should be. If he, he should be, right? He, he was a detective on the job to keep his job. But I don't know. Is there a way to check? Is there some public form of information that we can find oh, out? No, HIPAA you, no, HIPAA law is in effect here. You can't. Uh, you can fire you for it, and that's not HIPAA law. And everyone will know you got fired for not taking it. But, you know, we can't let anyone know who did it, you know, because then the HIPAA law applies again, right? Um, I guarantee he's not either. I will guarantee it. So complete, complete utter hypocrisy. Um, before I end, I want to just give a big shout-out to Teachers for Choice. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to Robert uh, F. Kennedy. Um, I don't agree with his stance on police work, and I've spoken about that before. I don't agree with his stance on a lot of things, but I support his stance on medical freedom. Uh, big shout out to Children's Health Defense and Shugata, Shugata, uh, Sujata Gibson, excuse me, um, for their, uh, they were at court today um, 
city tried to strike down their lawsuit against the vaccine mandate. Um, the appeal, the the city's appeal to dismiss on every grounds was denied. And August 14th, they'll be back in court. Um, so shout out to them. If that lawsuit's successful, um, it should open up the doorways for us at, for class action from New York City Police Department. Um, and I think that's something that we all need to unite on. Um, I think we should go on the one banner and one lawyer. I don't know if the unions would be willing to bring that part up or if we should grassroots it again. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the side of grassroots, but I do believe it should be a collective group and we should all start to talk about that. So uh, I appreciate you guys as always for tuning in and listening. Anybody that feels that we don't know what we're talking about or you want to talk, we could talk online, offline anytime we're open appreciate the comments appreciate the the love the support the hate the negativity um it is what it is this is the world we're living in it this is our time i'm happy to be here absolutely every day i can tell you what i want to thank our viewers it's so important it's so important that if you, if you like our content like and subscribe like and subscribe to any platform that you prefer if you prefer spotify YouTube, iTunes, Amazon, Apple. Like and subscribe. It's very important. We appreciate your support. We want to keep coming at you with with, uh, with content. Your views are so important. Your comments are extremely important. We intend to get back to comments. Positive or negative, we want to hear your feedback. I really believe in that. Positive feedbacks are great. Of course, it makes us feel good. But negative feedback is extremely important as well. Your opinions are important. Opposition meets opportunity. Uh, we don't expect everyone to agree with everything that we say. But we expect everyone to have an open mind and to listen to what we say and, and, and understand the position that we're in and, and ask yourself, if you were in our position, would you agree with some of the things that we say? Would you agree that the police department is now experienced a complete racist ideology, that the police department has been penetrated by identity politics? Lady Justice is supposed to be blind. This should be a complete uniform. We need to remove the politics from policing. Police officers need to be out there to protect and serve and force the law. These things are meant for the home, and they're not meant for police business. Uh, again, thank you so much for viewing. Like and subscribe. John, I'm very proud of you, man. I, I really appreciate it. You, you, you're out in New York City with your family, spending time, and you've taken a lot of time away from your family to support Teachers for Choice today, which when you support Teachers for Choice, you're supporting every New York City agency when it comes to the vaccine. This is the last thing I want to leave you on. I just want to say, I support everyone that refused to take the vaccine, stand on moral principle. I myself, the more we talk about it, I realize my head was buried in the sand when it came time to the vaccine. Again, I had said I'd taken it, but realize how easy they made, they made it for me to take it. I didn't go to a doctor. I didn't go to a CVS or a Walgreens. I came into the precinct full of fire, ready to go out with my teams to get illegal firearms off the street. And there were people there giving out the vaccine. Come on, Lieutenant, come take the vaccine real quick. Again, as I said, I was in the Marine Corps. Okay, what's one more shot? And this was way before the vaccine mandate. But once the vaccine mandate came up, I really started to open my eyes and say, wow, you know, people should not be forced to get this vaccine. That's why I served in the Marine Corps and served in this country. So, again, John, I'm extremely proud of you and all the cops and all the city agencies that have fought against this vaccine. And you're fighting for choice. And we got to continue that. Again, that's why we're here. So, 
New York's finest retired filter podcast. Thank you so much for watching us. 265 Live. 265 Live. John, thank you, brother. I really appreciate it. I really mean it from the heart. Thank you, guys.